2: is v tournament betting breakdown with analysis on betting all 32
0: first round matchups along with my guy amal shaw here is jonathan von tobel
2: what's up and welcome in yes jonathan von tobel and amal shaw with you for the next Three hours here on your tournament betting breakdown Sunday. We have a fantastic show on tap coming up in 45 minutes. Dan Dockage is going to be with us. Get a little insight on the brackets that have just been set a few hours ago. Johnny Avello, sportsbook director at DraftKings, is going to be with us in the next hour as well. we'll get the bookmaker's perspective. I was watching all day. v I know you were too. And I know Amal was as well. Uh, John did a great job. DraftKings, like that, numbers were up. And we have a lot to get to here, Amal, with the bracket set, with the matchup set. But let's start with a, a grand scheme of things here first off, okay? Uh, Top overall seeds for our tournament this year, Gonzaga. Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor, West, South, Midwest, and East, respectively. And your last four teams in Indiana, Wyoming, Notre Dame, and Rutgers. Before we get to the lowly teams, uh, let's talk about the big boys. Any discrepancies, any arguments with the top four seeds, or excuse me, the top four teams in terms of one seeds?
3: Uh, I was a little bit surprised that the Big 12 got two uh, number one seeds considering how well Kentucky played throughout the course of the season, having arguably the best win in college basketball, winning at the Fog by 20-plus in that Big 12 SEC challenge. Um, Auburn kind of uh, went south towards the end, so I understand them not getting a one seed. Um, I, I don't know. I, look, here's the reality of it. Everyone's got an opportunity, unlike college football, to make their argument. You don't have to be, you know, based on a committee. You have an opportunity, and if you got there, you got there. If you didn't, for me, JBT, I don't think being a one or two really makes that much of a difference.
2: See, for me, so a one or two doesn't really matter a lot. But like a team like Kansas, for example, if you look at the way their bracket broke and the teams that are in. Their respective bracket. I think Kansas uh, did a really, I mean, did a really good job. They got, I think, a really workable bracket for them in terms of being able to make their way through to a title, especially for a team that looks somewhat fragile throughout the regular season, right?
3: Couldn't agree with you more. I was shocked by how weak that bracket looks uh, for KU, considering I thought this was probably the weakest number one seed. I know Baylor stumbled a little bit down the stretch here, but I, I think that. Kansas is a team that I wouldn't be shocked at all if they lost in the second round or if they ended up, you know, in the final four.
2: Yep. So as you look at it right now, again, overall, now we get to the final four teams, Indiana, Wyoming, Notre Dame, and Rutgers. You know, I, I felt relatively confident in three of the four. I thought Indiana, Notre Dame, and Rutgers would likely be in. Mm-hmm. I have read that four or five-game stretch that Rutgers had uh, in February. Right, where they're winning games left to right at home. They have some pretty impressive victories that you figured that was going to happen. Notre Dame, second-best team in the ACC. Even though it was a down conference this year, you figured that they would be able to get it with the strength of their resume. And then Indiana, with the run of the Big Ten tournament that they made them all, you figured that would be enough to push them over. For me, it, Wyoming, I got to watch that about close and personal. Right, I was at the Mountain West tournament uh, all, all week long. That was a team that had some holes in their resume that I thought needed like one more win, and they got it against UNLV, another Q1 win. And ultimately, they pulled that off. Wyoming was the one, I think, of these four. Uh, there was the one that was, I think, on the thinnest ice, and ultimately they make it in, of course.
3: You know, to me, the two conferences that get hurt the most in terms of teams getting in as that large are the Mountain West and the Atlantic 10. Yeah. I think there's some really good basketball in these leagues, and I'm glad to see Wyoming got in there. It'll be interesting to see. I think they play IU, correct, in the in the first yes. round. And that'll be an interesting matchup between EK and uh, uh, TJD inside the post there, but... Uh, This has been a team that's really competed, and I'm looking forward to some of these matchups where teams are probably far better than people realize because they don't follow them on a regular basis. You're going to see these teams out of the Mountain West, like Boise State. I I know people have an affinity for uh, the opposite side in in game one. I'm like, these guys are going to guard you the minute they get off the bus.
2: Uh, One of the first bets I made was Boise State catching two and a half against Memphis. I I didn't understand.
3: Well, no, you know what? I know we're going to break these games down, but real quick, here's the problem with Memphis. Memphis. They play defense like Gary Payton. They four-check you into the scorer's table, and they don't think it's a foul. You're in the double bonus about nine minutes in. Maldenado's going to have a field day getting to the free-throw line against this team, and they don't realize, and, and Wyoming plays smart. They play disciplined basketball. I'm not saying EK's going to have, uh, excuse me, uh, they're going to have an easy time uh, with the big man in there shooting 46% at the free-throw line against a team like uh, Memphis and Jalen Duran, but Duran's arms taped up right now. A little bit of concern from their perspective. Lomax turns the basketball over. I think this is a great opportunity for Leon Rice's team.
2: Yep. All right, so let's talk Let's talk about these first four games then. We'll start with that Wyoming matchup. Indiana opens up as a three-and-a-half point favorite against Wyoming. So I, I made a few bets on the openers, and you're still seeing the number over at DraftKings at three-and-a-half with a total of about 132. Uh, I'm involved in this game here. I lay three-and-a-half against Wyoming. So you mentioned EK. Mitchell Hunter Maldonado. One of the things that Wyoming does is that they are somewhat limited offensively in that they have two really good players in Maldonado in. EK but when you watch them offensively it is taking turns down the you know go down the go down the uh, court post one guy up and see what comes of it Hunter Maldonado even though he's a guard he's about 6'6 six, 6'7 six, six, he operates primarily out of the post and it's the same thing with EK UNLV and of course Boise State as well gave the blueprint out there you just don't let him go through you if you force him to shoot over you EK that he's not going to be very effective he was very ineffective in two Mount West Conference tournament games and I think that Indiana has enough size down there to bother the two post players in Maldonado and of course uh an EK.
3: I think TJD is better than Graham Ike. Ike mm-hmm. is a terrific player as a sophomore, but I think Trace Jackson Davis is far superior. You mentioned Hunter Maldonado for people who haven't seen him play. He's the point for Wyoming, but he's, as you alluded to, six 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 seven. But I think we could see potentially a guy like Race Thompson on him. Yep. And Thompson could negate what he can do. He's physical. He's got length on him. And then if you've got to rely on Jeffries and Odin to knock down shots, I think it could be a difficult time for this team. I like Phinasy. I like this team with uh, Xavier Johnson running the point for Indiana. I'm with you. I like Indiana in this game against Wyoming. Once we start getting past this number of three, three and a half, potentially four, it becomes a little bit tricky. But I still think I use a more complete basketball team. The run that they had in this tournament really will help propel them. They played extremely well against a team like Illinois who has Coburn on the inside, mm-hmm. able to negate what he did. I, I think they're right there in position. If you look back at the Iowa game, if you are Mike Woodson, you're like, hey, we really should have been playing today against Purdue, and they blew that opportunity.
2: And this is the cool part about now. So we get all wrapped up in, hey, the numbers, the lines are out, everything. Yeah. Well, now the totals are starting to come out. And so you're starting to see a wide variety of totals here too. So if your totals better, you should be able to find the number you want. Right now the total ranges from 130.5 to 132.5. The two-point difference that's out there in the market, so if you want to bet this thing, which I would think that this starts to go under. That 132.5, I would assume, disappears, looking at these two teams and the way that they play. Also expecting that the 3.5s disappear to go to 4 because 4s populate the board right now. Two shops on the screen have 3.5, one of those being the Westgate Superbook. Uh, other play-in games, uh, Bryant versus Wright State. Wright State opens up as a 1.5-point favorite right now on the board. Uh, one5 Twos, though, are starting to pop up. So Wright State getting the support here with a total of 152. And I would say this, I'm all about this because I will not, uh, I will not come in and pretend that I have watched a lot of uh, Bryant or Wright State. But I would say in games like this, you know, teams coming out of the Horizon League, teams that are, you, know, you talk about being unfamiliar. Yeah. The market is going to be very unfamiliar with a lot of teams like this. These moves that you will see here give you an indication as to what the sharper money is going to be. And, of course, initially right now, Wright State is the sharper side, going from one and a half to two. I haven't seen Bryant
3: play, but I know offensively a very good team that can shoot the basketball. But when you look at uh, Wright State, keep an eye on Holden and Basil. These guys are really effective. They can do some good things. They were in a competitive league this year. People aren't aware of how good uh, that league was this year, the Horizon. Uh, I, would you say the number's sitting at one and a half?
2: Yeah, one and a half, twos are starting to appear, though, now, yeah, too. Yeah,
3: I, I like Wright State in this matchup, in this particular game here.
2: Yep, and as you look right now, too, both teams have finished first in their respective conferences in terms of offensive efficiency. So, again, against a uh, a similarly rated team, you should be able to get a similar offensive output as we have seen uh, throughout conference play. And then Notre Dame versus Rutgers. This is a pretty fascinating one. Notre Dame opens up as a one-point favorite. you got picks across the board here as well. Again, it depends on where you shop for some of these numbers. Uh, but Notre Dame, flashing as a favorite. And a couple with a total of 132. Rutgers, as we know, right? It's been, and it's not the rack anymore, but playing at the rack, right, has been the the area in which they have thrived. And this Notre Dame team, you know, it gets in on the strength of his resume, but there have been times where I watched Notre Dame, leaves a lot to be desired. But now you're playing on a neutral, but Rutgers clearly is going to be a little uncomfortable.
3: They might be, but you know, give them credit. They had a tough win at Bloomington. They yep. wanted the Cole Center this year out Wisconsin. So I think this team is very capable. They were in the tournament last year. They almost uh uh they knock off Houston or not? I can't remember. Was that last year when they uh, they had a pretty good win early on? But this team can be dangerous. I, I, I like Michael's team. I'm not going to bet them. I think this is one uh, JVT where you wait for an in-play opportunity. You might get somebody catching five and a half, six and a half points as the game progresses. And I would take the points. I think it's going to be a tight finish. Whichever team can minimize their mistakes. That's the one thing you got to give Mike Bray's team's credit. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They shoot the ball efficiently from the free throw line and the three-point line. Completely opposite of what Rutgers does. Mm -hmm. However, I don't know if there's any team in the ACC outside of Virginia that guards you the way Rutgers does.
2: Yeah. It's a really tough team. You like some of the size down low too for Rutgers, and also, of course, uh, the first on the rotation of the play-in games: Texas A&M Corpus Christi versus Texas Southern. This opens up in favor of Texas Southern minus two and a half. Uh, There are three and a half starting to appear, and I think you kind of understand why when you look at just least at least the statistical breakdown of both of these teams. Neither of these teams is very skilled offensively. Uh, The best team, at least in terms of overall play, Texas Southern, 270th in the country in offensive efficiency. Corpus Christi, 287th, both averaging well under a point per possession. Big difference here, Maul. Is Texas Southern is a very good defensive team. Yep. 107th in the country in total defensive efficiency. They're not a good rebounding team, but play the perimeter very well. Will run three-point shooters off the line, and a team like Texas a and Chris Uh, Corpus Christi that really struggles on the offensive side. I think you understand why the market is so heavy here on Texas Southern.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I haven't seen either of these teams play. I don't follow the swack in the Southland during the regular season, but you mentioned, remember, Texas Southern's had experience in this playing situation, and you mentioned their defensive efficiency. The one thing that concerns me with TSU, though, is their free throw percentage. They're around 67% as a team, and that can be something that comes back to haunt you when you go down the stretch of an NCAA tournament game. Uh, again, this is not a game I'm going to get involved in. So many times people come out, they're out here for March Madness, so they'll bet the game. Yeah. But to me, this is not a game I'm interested in betting unless I see something during the game that's extremely lopsided and you take advantage of that in play.
2: Well, and I was going to say, in play is the best way, right? Yeah. When it's when it's two teams you don't know, you can watch the game, you get a feel of it, how it's playing, uh, and get involved there. Now, uh, to reiterate for those who are just joining us and don't know the bracket off the top of your head, Texas Southern, Texas A&M, Corporate Christie, both going to be 16 seeds. So the winner will move on to play number one, Kansas Wright state Bryant, also to 16 seeds. They will move on to play Arizona. When you talk about the next round of matchups in terms of the winners of Rutgers, Notre Dame and the Wyoming, Indiana, that's where it gets interesting. You get 12 seeds in Wyoming and Indiana, moving on to play number five, St. Mary's. And then the winner of Rutgers, Notre Dame will move on to face Alabama and uh, Alabama. I think as we've seen throughout this year, we'll get to more of them later, but uh, somewhat fraud, not fraudulent fragile team. I think in this tournament,
3: well, they're a five-seed, aren't they?
2: Yes. No, six-seed. Six, six
3: six six-seed. I thought that was a bit of a over- rating for Alabama. Yeah, I, I didn't think they deserved that number at this point in time the way they played down the stretch. This team's had some issues. They had a lead against Vanderbilt, couldn't close it out. Shackelford's been consistent for this team, but you look at some of these other guys on this team, Davison, in particular, been highly inconsistent freshman who's probably expected to go in the first round of the draft. I felt like Nado's team is so reliant on the three-point shot that if it's not falling, they're in trouble in those matchups.
2: All right, well, let's get rolling into the big bracket itself. When we come back, we'll take a look at the top of the West region here on V-CND Sports Buddy Network.
4: This is v tournament betting breakdown. Along with my guy, Amal
2: Shaw. here is Jonathan Von Tobel. KFC chicken sandwich served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger licking good, or the KFC chicken sandwich, today. Yeah, you heard Brent. His guy, Amal Shaw. I do not get a custom intro. I'm just Jonathan Von Tobel. No, we got a great, great show on tap. Uh, we are going to roll through every single one of these first-round matchups with you here. Dan Dockich and Johnny Vell are going to be with us at some point throughout the next... Uh, Two hours and 45 minutes, but let's get right into it. West region, Gonzaga versus Georgia State. I'll I'll put it very simply. Do you give Georgia State a chance here, Amal Shah, to stay within a big number like this? Uh, Right now, this is the interesting game, too, because some spots there was a pretty big discrepancy in terms of the opener. DraftKings opened the range of 26.5, 27. Other spots opened, I think it was a South Point, as low as like 23 in that range. We've even downed about 24.5 in favor of Gonzaga. Uh, But on paper, we're talking about, a 201st-ranked offense versus the 7th-best defense in the country. You're talking about the 114th-ranked defense versus the best offense in the country. There's a size advantage for Gonzaga. The, the, the question is, does Gonzaga near the end call the dogs off? Uh, no pun intended. and just want to get out of here and on to the next round.
3: Davo Sweeney had one of my favorite lines of all time. Them boys are in trouble. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, the Panthers are in a serious world of hurt here. This Gonzaga team is going to be a real challenge. Just not only you mentioned the offensive and defensive efficiency, JBT. But to me, where the real challenge is when you play Gonzaga in Arizona and you walk out in that court, you've never seen size like this. Yes. You know, last night I was at the Pac-12 tournament. You go, God, Arizona's got some big dudes. And when you look at having to shoot over them and you're Georgia State and you come from mid-weight major and the four is about 6'7", and that's probably rounding out based on what the SID is saying, it's going to be a real challenge here.
2: It's funny. So I got to go – I took my wife to go see Colorado State UNLV when they played at the Thomas and Mack, and she was amazed. We were sat courtside. She was amazed by watching all of them up close. And I go, You see all those guys out there? She's like, Yeah. I'm like, Not a single one of them is going to touch an NBA court. And she's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, Trust me. I'm like, This is like mid-major. They're good basketball players. But to your point, you know, some of these guys that you're going to see out there with the Gonzagas and the Arizonas of the world, this is a whole different animal. And, you know, Ken Palm does a great job. They track average heights. Just to give you an idea of the difference here between these two teams, at Gonzaga average height, they're eighth in the country, 78.7 inches, their average height. Georgia State right now, 325th in the country. Like, that's a really big difference. I, I
3: would, one thing I'd like to see teams do, though, instead of lying about the heights, if I have a team, and let's say you're 6'2", I would list you at 5'9". I want everybody listed underneath that height.
2: We are going to talk about a team that's got about a 5'9 point guard, which I am amazed. They're taking on Texas Tech, but that'll be later in the program. Let's go to an 8-9 matchup here then. This is worth spending a little bit of time on. Boise State and Memphis. Memphis opens up 1.5 in some spots. Uh, right now on the board of all, you're looking at 2.5 with a total of 132.5. This is another game that I'm involved in. Boise State catching 2.5. These are contrasting styles. Boise State, 307th of the country in tempo. Memphis, 34th. Boise State, 294th in average possession length. Memphis is 48th. But Memphis has had trouble reading rebounding 288th in opponent offensive rebounding rate and this Broncos team can grab about 30% of their misses. They have a lot of length. Uh, um, Abu Kijab and others on this roster. They got 6-7 to 6-9. They have a really good 6-7 uh, footer down low as well. Like this is a team that I think Memphis this is going to be a pretty tightly contested game. And Boise State is a very, obviously, because of the number, good shot to win this. But I also think they have a coaching advantage here, too. Leon Rice has been here. He's been playing in tournament games for a really long time throughout his career. And this is an older team in terms of Boise State. And that'll help them out a lot.
3: I thought you brought up a great point, the age differential. When you look at whether it's Shaver, you mentioned Kijab. And, of course, Uh, this team overall in terms of what they've been able to do throughout the course of the season. Degenhardt has probably been arguably their best player down the stretch. He's a young kid. But to me, this team's really dangerous because of how well they defend you. I would like to see, and I don't know why, and I don't know how much of the Mountain West Conference tournament you were at in terms of every game. But to me, the one thing that frustrates me is when you have a big man like Armas who can't shoot the ball for uh, Boise State 46%, when you get to that 16 foul, if I'm Memphis, I'm bringing a guy off my bench and I'm fouling him intentionally on 7, 8, 9 yeah. and seeing how many of those free throws he can make and take advantage of that. Memphis is a team that's inconsistent in terms of shooting the basketball. I think this is where Boise can take advantage of it. Shaver's going to have to play well. It's going to be a good matchup between him and Lomax at the point. I can't wait to see that. But I'm with you. I'm going to give an edge to the experience, the older team here in Boise State. And when you defend against an inconsistent shooting team like Memphis, it'll, it'll be a challenge. However, the one thing that bodes well for Memphis, they have played a more tenacious defense three times yes. in Houston. Yep. No, I don't know if anybody defends you the way Houston does.
2: Yeah. But to me, they'll be ready for this matchup. A big thing here for Memphis, at least when it comes to the matchup for me too, uh, 352nd in the country on offense and turnover rate. They turn it over on 23% of their offensive possessions. It's a really high clip, and you can't do that. And Boise State, if they want to, they can run. Uh, they are a they are a slow-paced team, but they are athletic, and if they need to get up and down the court, they absolutely will. So I grabbed two and a half there with Boise State, pretty much the market number at this point right now. Uh, okay, so from there, and by the way, too, you mentioned Shaver. This is very much worth noting. Um, Shaver, the last few games, uh, four Boise State had been on a little bit of a minutes restriction. Uh, There were like rumblings of an injury and that had at least played out in terms of his minutes was not as effective in the Mountain West Conference tournament. So maybe a couple of extra days off there for Boise State that'll help him get whatever is going on with him out of the system or if it's an injury, heal it up. Uh, But that is something worth noting with Boise State as they come into this matchup.
3: You're absolutely right about that shaver injury. But one thing to pay attention to on the other side is Imani Bates is out with a back injury. Didn't play in the American Conference tournament for this uh, Memphis team. If he is healthy enough to play, i got to tell you, JBT, I feel like it could make a difference for how they can dominate the glass between him and Jalen Duran. Durant's going to be a top-ten pick, lottery pick. Imani Bates in the next draft pick, he's not eligible this year because he moved up in classification. He's another guy to pay attention to if you're going to bet this game if he goes for Memphis or not.
2: All right, let's talk about UConn, New Mexico State. DraftKings circa and South Point all open. UConn is a seven-point favorite on the screen right now. Six-and-a-halves starting to appear in this matchup. Two slow-paced teams meeting here. New Mexico, 223rd of the country, in Tempo, UConn, 291st. Aggies, of course, prioritize rim protection and interior protection, 42.6% allowed uh, in terms of um, uh, the interior um, shooting. For opponents here from New Mexico State. So, what do you do here? Because this is, I think, it's a pretty interesting matchup. Because if you look at New Mexico State, they're a poor shooting team uh, that relies on guys like Johnny McCants to score inside. UConn's the fifth best interior defense in the country. So, this is kind of contrasting styles meeting with another. They're going to be slow, but in terms of offensive strengths, New Mexico State might be in a matchup where they're kind of butting their head against the wall.
3: Yeah, this is a game where Timmy Allen and Jabari Rice have to play well if New Mexico State's going to have a chance. You mentioned that interior there. I think Sonogo is terrific and underrated for what he can do for UConn. R.J. Cole will really dictate the terms of this game for Connecticut and how he plays is how the Huskies are going to go. I give him an edge at the guard position.
2: I like you kind of, What's the number you said? Uh, so open up seven. It's down to six and a half right now.
3: Yeah, I'm not thrilled about laying six and a half here. I would be more apt to have taken the seven with New Mexico State. I didn't realize it was that high. I thought it was probably going to be five, five and a half. But um, this is a game where this Aggies team is very much a live dog. If you're going to bet them plus the points, I think they have a chance. Because if UConn struggles to shoot the ball, which they have at times, Mm -hmm. I think there's an opportunity here for New Mexico State.
2: Yeah, and New Mexico State, not a team that will force a lot of turnovers either. So, uh, if you can keep this in, because one of the things that kind of bugs me with teams, you know, guard play is always very important, obviously, especially in the uh, tournament. But if you're a team that turns the ball over and doesn't turn the ball over a lot, and that's New Mexico State. 313th in the country offensively in turnover rate, 271st in defensive turnover rate. So you're coughing up a lot, but you're not also getting those possessions back, and that could be bothersome against a team uh, like UConn. By the way, we should note, too, as these totals come up, this total about 133 across the board. We'll call that the consensus number. Uh, 133 and the 132 and 132.5s are also out there between these two as well. All right, let's go to the last one here in this bracket uh, we could talk about really quickly. Arkansas and Vermont. This is a pretty fascinating matchup, man. Which team dictates tempo? Arkansas. They run. They want to run, and they will get up and down the court. 28th in tempo. 44th in average possession length in the country. Vermont. Agonizingly slow. We're talking about a team that's 288th in tempo, 270th in possession length of them all. However, just because they're slow, people, this is always, it's like that Virginia team that won the national championship, right? That was an insanely efficient offense. It was slow, and people thought there was a low-scoring offense, and that wasn't the case. Vermont, the same thing here, 44th in offensive efficiency despite being one of the slowest teams in the country.
3: They're terrific, especially their two-point shooting. This team yep. is really efficient inside the arc. Catamount's team is good. They're dangerous. They're experienced. If Arkansas gets off to the type of start they got against Texas A&M with J.D. Note getting in foul trouble, I think Note picked up his third personal foul in the first half. Uh, Musselman's team is going to be in trouble here. But, look, from a talent standpoint, athleticism standpoint, it's going to be a challenge for Vermont. Uh, JBT give me that number one more time on this one
2: uh, this one right now five and a half with a total of about 140 and that's pretty much where it opened uh, five and a half now one spot circa where we're sitting right now opened a little bit higher at six but we're now five and a half across the board in favor of Arkansas
3: yeah I, I think with that number I would lean towards the Razorbacks here I think their athleticism and what they're able to do uh, this team's got some talent make no mistake about it they're well tested they had that hiccup against A&M but I think this team can be dangerous the Catamounts have been outstanding Uh, But I just don't know if Davis can be as effective inside against a team like Arkansas, who's got athleticism and length.
2: Two things, two points to make on this game that stuck out to me. One, Three-point line, I think, is going to be the most important aspect of this game. Catamounts, 43.1% of their attempts come from three-point range. They shoot the ball well. Arkansas only takes 34% of their attempts from deep. And they're a really poor shooting team. They shoot 30.7%. So the difference of the three-point shooting is going to matter. And there's Vermont's rebounding dominance play here against Arkansas. They're the best defensive rebounding team of the country. But Arkansas, top 85 in both categories. I, I would defend it this way. Yeah. There,
3: there's no Oscar Sheebways. In, in their league, well, hey,
2: and that's you know that that is a good point. Like when you look at some of these numbers for some of these teams, especially some of these teams yeah. like Vermont, the dominance in which they have shown, this is a step up in competition for them. They're a very well coached team, and some of that translates, but not all of it. Think about
3: this real quick. They played uh, UMBC yesterday. They mm-hmm. were a seventeen point favorite in the conference championship game. I mean, it tells you how weak the league was overall in terms of what they faced off. I think they were in the America East. Um, to me, though, I think Arkansas's talent will be the difference in this game. But when you look at the Catamounts, extremely well coached. very uh, They play very well
2: fundamentally. Yep. All right, we'll come back. We get to the bottom region of the West, a really fascinating region, including I mentioned uh, that tiny little five-nine point guard where he plays for Montana State. We're going to talk about that and that matchup against Texas Tech because it does seem on paper uh, that is quite the mountain to climb there for Montana State and also Michigan State. Wait, you're a Big Ten guy. What does this look like now after that weird start or end to the regular season for the Spartans? We'll talk all about that and more here on v the Esports Betting Network. Sins Tournament Betting Breakdown. Along with my guy Amal Shaw, here is Jonathan Von Toll. The NCAA tournament is here. You're going to need some energy, so why don't you grab a five-hour energy to stay alert and watch all of your favorite games, or if you stayed up late to see that intense overtime contest, take a five-hour energy shot in the morning so you can energize your day. With zero sugar, an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine, it's the perfect pick-me-up for getting stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from. with flavors like great, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry, and more. There's a flavor for everyone. Get a five-hour energy today. Threw one back this morning. Within two minutes, I was ready for the two kids. I was like, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready to be dead. I need it. Trust me. All right. West West region bottom half coming up in 15. By the way, Dan Dockage is going to be with us. Get his thoughts. Uh, he was tweeting out earlier. He thought Indiana had a pretty good draw. So we'll see uh, what he means by that. I think they're going to win their first round matchup, but that's just me. All right. Rutgers, Notre Dame. We talked a little bit about this in the open of all, but it's worth uh, picking right back up here between these two. So this is going to be uh, right back The play-in winner is going to face number six or seed six, Alabama. So what do we make of Rutgers and Notre Dame? Because as we have mentioned before, Rutgers are very much a different team away from home, but... They had that stretch in the middle of February, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Illinois. You mentioned the win at Wisconsin. That was on the road, so they do have some pretty good performances away. They beat Indiana on the road as well, right at the end of the regular season. And then you get this Notre Dame club that comes in, and it hasn't been in great form. They lost to Florida State right before they beat up on Pitt to end the regular season. They lose in the ACC tournament to Virginia Tech. And if you watch them too, you know, I think in terms of offense, middle of the pack, but a very poor rebounding team, and that could come to play here against Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. Excuse when you, me against Rutgers,
3: when you look at this Rutgers team, Clifford Omariu in the center there, very physical. You've got obviously Baker, uh, uh, excuse me, Harper Jr., uh, Geo Baker, who by the way I think is in his ninth year there at Rutgers now. But new Perry Ellis. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, you know, to me, this is a team that can be difficult to play. And here's the thing, in JBT. Notre Dame has to hit shots, but if Rutgers is hitting shots, I think Notre Dame is in serious trouble. Because the way Rutgers will defend you, I don't know if they're going to be able to shoot the ball with the same efficiency that they normally do. When you mentioned they've lost two out of their last three games, sandwiched in between a victory against Pittsburgh. Um, I'm leaning towards Rutgers here in this matchup. Despite their offensive uh, being so inept at times, I think they'll be able to uh, plow through this game.
2: Yeah, right now, if you're looking at it, so the opener for this contest, uh, DraftKings opened at Rutgers 1. Circa opened at Notre Dame 1. South Point opened at Pick. uh, We're at Pick across the board right now. A couple of spots have Notre Dame as a favorite team uh, at 1 with a total of 132 or 132.5. I will say... When you look at both of these teams, all, it does seem on the surface, I'm not a great totals guy, uh, but when you talk about a Rutgers team that is one of the slowest teams in the country, as well as Notre Dame, and two teams that could, I think, defend the other pretty well, I would expect that that total starts to dip here a little bit between these two.
3: Yeah, I tend to agree with you here. And if you're Rutgers, you want to make it a half-court game. That's where they excel. If they're able to do that, I think it bodes well for them. Um, But if it gets into an upper-tempo game, I think they're in trouble, especially that would be playing more in Notre Dame's hand.
2: All right, let's talk about Texas Tech. And Montana State, big size discrepancy here. Starting Montana State point guard, Xavier Bishop, very good player, but listed at 5'8". Uh, and you talk about it, right? I think they lie about the heights. I'm going to assume that maybe he's 5'8 in shoes. Uh, one dude on that roster that's over 6'8", that'd be a, a Jabril Bellow. So if you look at this, size is going to be a problem. Texas Tech, pretty solid team. And they start a starting lineup at 6'5", 6'6", 6'8", and 6'7". So there's going to be size here. But what I'm curious about here, Mall is Montana State operating offensively. Uh, Red Raiders, 344th in opponent three-point rate. They allow teams to shoot three-pointers, but it's because they're so good on the interior, and a lot of those three-point shots are end-of-the-shot clock, you know, desperation shots, They get something off. But Montana State can shoot the ball relatively well. And and I think this comes down to staying within this number. Is Montana State going to have a good shooting night and stay within this? And to be fair, Texas Tech has been less than impressive away from home as well.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Montana State is a team shooting 36% from beyond the arc. They really can get it done from a variety of different guys here. And I think that'll be key for them. Uh, This Texas Tech team, the way they defend, that's going to be the real challenge here for this Montana State offense because they can cause some serious problems I think they're gonna. Uh, I think they're gonna have a hard time in this one. I don't like this number sixteen and a half. Definitely wouldn't lay it with the Red Raiders. I'd be more apt to take it with Montana State, but I can't do that either because I feel like when you go against a defense like this, it would not shock me at all to see on Friday if you see Texas Tech sixty-six, Montana State forty-eight, or something like
2: that. Yep. and two uh, right now because this did open up as you mentioned in that sixteen range. DraftKings opened sixteen and a half. Uh, circa 15 south point 15 and a half dominating number now is 15 and a half across the board with a total right now of 129 and a half so uh, the side at least when DraftKings opened did seem a little high uh, market came in bet that down a little bit so now sitting in that 15 and a half range and one last point here to speak on the struggles for Texas Tech away from home five and five ATS in two road games two and four ATS in neutral site games so Texas Tech have been very good in Lubbock one of the strongest home courts in the country but not so much when playing in four neutral territory with that let's talk about a Big Ten team. Michigan State taking on Davidson is pretty intriguing. So the opener Davidson in some spots, a one and a half point favorite. Uh so Southpoint opened one and a half. Circa opened one. DraftKings opened pick. So in that range right now on the board of all, we're looking at Davidson. Uh, let's see. I got that first number here. Uh, I've got right now two and a half in favor of Michigan State at some spots, and this is the cool part about some of these numbers. You see that one and a half there. There's one and a half at DraftKings. There's two and a half at another shop, and there's one out there as well. So this is a wide ranging number now in favor of Michigan State. But I'll give you the floor of what you expect of the Spartans, who uh, were a little eh, down the stretch of the regular season.
3: Yeah, you're being kind. I thought this team was horrific at times. Yep. They're just not great offensively. They don't have that consistency. That's the one issue that I have with this team. But they have talent. We saw them play extremely well in the second half against Wisconsin, holding off the Badgers. They're actually rallying from a four-point deficit. Uh, To me, when I look at this uh, Davidson team, terrific shooting team. But it's a big. there's a big difference when you go from that mid-major level in the A-10 when you face off against a team like Richmond, who doesn't necessarily have the height at every position that you're going to see out of Michigan State. Mm-hmm. This is going to be interesting to see how this Davidson team performs. Remember Lawyer, he's a Michigan State transfer. Played for Tom Izzo, transfers down to Davidson. Leads the nation in free throw shooting percentage at 93. It's had a tremendous year. But now you're going up against a team that can really challenge you in tier, on the interior and on the perimeter defensively. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to touch this game, JV team, but I lean with Sparty just based on the way Tom Mizzo's teams always perform in the tournament. And then they have a huge athletic advantage in this one, and then they're going to have an advantage from a height standpoint. Yeah,
2: I like Davidson a little bit. I didn't play this, and you mentioned uh, being horrific for the Spartans. So they're 53rd in defensive efficiency, but we brought this point up earlier. You know, make sure you look at conference play, make sure you look at recent form. So while they might be 53rd in defensive efficiency on the season, Michigan State. Their efficiency dropped in conference play to 104.5. And if you look at some of the recent losses, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, and Ohio State, defensive ratings are 120, 119.9, 125.7, 122.9. They were atrocious on the defensive end at times, Michigan State. And that continued all the way through their loss to Purdue uh, just this past Saturday. So, something to keep an eye on there. But Michigan State, if they're going to be good, limit the turnovers, which have been a problem for Izzo teams because they like to get up and down the court, but also play better defensively.
3: Yeah, I I would agree with you there. The one thing I'd push back with is this. When you look at their schedule and the games that they've lost at Purdue, at Ohio State, at Michigan, at Iowa, losing at home to Illinois, that's just over the last about 10, 12 games that they've played. I would contend that you're playing a top 25 team almost every night. It, these are tougher teams to play on the road. Mm. Um, for me, I, I love athleticism and length. It, it's so hard to simulate shooting over length. That, that's a real challenge. We'll see how Davidson handles that. The
2: Big Ten bias. Big Ten's not as good as you think it is, all.
3: I'm not saying it's no. good. I listen. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Hey, hold on a second. You're absolutely correct in your statement. I, I actually think it's probably the third best league this year. Yeah. But I, I think when you look at some of these matchups, and that's my concern when we talked about the Arkansas game, You look at some of these teams, they're really good and efficient at what they do, but it's different when you go to take a
2: layup against certain teams and these guys can throw it in the third row. Of course. All right, let's go to uh, next up on the board, Duke-Cal State Fullerton. I'm actually really interested in this game. Some spots opened at as high as 20 in yeah. favor of Duke. DraftKings uh, opened at 18, Circa at 18 as well, and South Point at 17. Cal State Fullerton is going to be intriguing, mainly because, one, we get the Duke side of things where we're talking about the Blue Devils coming into this 0-4 ATS in their last four games of all. An average of 82.7 points per game allowed, a defensive rating of 119.9 over those four games, so that's not very good. And while Cal State Fullerton is not a, a dominant offensive team, humans mentioned it, they have some efficient shooters, but also really good team at getting to the free throw line, 48th in free throw rate. They shoot 76% at the line as a team. Duke was a pretty good defensive team in terms of being able to defend without fouling. But this is a team that's going to press the issue. And while there might be a length and massive advantage in the front court here, the Titans are going to try to get these bigs in trouble for Duke, and that might be a problem. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if they can do that.
3: Then I think they got a great chance. When you look at the Titans, their top four scores are all 78% or better at the free throw line. It makes a huge difference. The problem is when you look at a guy like Williams inside in that length, you are not seeing anybody remotely close to that in the Big West Uh, But this is a high number, and right now the way Duke has played, this reminds me of go back to when Kyrie came back from injury for the tournament. People thought they'd be able to flip the switch. They weren't able to do it, and I kind of feel that way about this team. Bancaro's been outstanding all year long, but for whatever reason, there's something amiss with this team. They're going to get through this game, but uh, how far can they go from there Fullerton, give them a ton of credit. They've competed all year long, and you mentioned that free throw discrepancy in terms of how effective they've been at the line. They're going to need that one if they're going to have a chance in this one.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the discrepancy in terms of what you'll see in terms of personnel. Fullerton... Uh, really doesn't have a body. He's Paolo Mancaro, 6'10", skilled like a guard. And then, of course, Trevor Keel, 6'4", 221. Like, Fullerton doesn't have a dude bigger than Vincent Lee, who's 6'8", 230. So, like, that's from a body, just a pure body perspective, it's going to be a little bit of a mismatch here for CU Fullerton.
3: Yeah, that's a a concern I have. But, again, the number being as big as it is, could be a different scenario. You know, when you get up by 12 at halftime, effort in the second half doesn't necessarily equate to what it was in the first half.
2: Yeah, And and that total, too, uh, for those who are scoring at home right now, total of 144, 143 and a half. Somewhat high total does seem like on the surface, given the big number, that, that total expecting Duke to carry a lot of that load, but uh, I would skew to the under there a little bit, especially if you like the underdog.
3: Yeah, and one other thing I would point out is remember the tournament, teams have shorter benches. The no. t- TV timeouts are longer during the commercial breaks. You're not as worried about fatigue from that
2: standpoint. Jamal Shaw on the other side. Dan Dockage is going to join us. He thinks Indiana got a good draw. Let's ask him why, and let's ask about the other Big Ten teams and just the tournament overall when we come back. Sins Tournament Betting Breakdown. Along with my guy Amal Shaw, here is Jonathan Von Tobel. Back by popular demand, the VEASAN Help Desk has returned. Our writers, hosts, and experts are here to answer your questions on all things college basketball. The VEASAN Help Desk is here for you, not only for the big dance, but on the NIT, CIT too. Submit your questions at VEASAN.com slash madness, and it could be answered by our experts on air or on VEASAN.com. How about that? The chance to hear your name said by a mall shop. Attention. Be worth it. Very much worth it. All right. So welcome to Dan Dockich, who's nice enough to give us some time today. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Dockage. uh OutKick as well as 107.5 The Fan. Dan, it's good to talk to you. Appreciate it. So I wanted to go to one of your tweets that you had. Um, Indiana and the draw that they had. So you like the uh, draw for the Hoosiers, huh?
4: Oh, man. I mean, for being a bad team most of the year, <laughs> my Hoosiers got a nice draw. I mean, they play in Dayton, which is only about two two hours away from Indy. A lot of people travel. You know, they played the a fourth-place team in the in the Mountain West. Indiana's playing really well. And then, you know, they go play... a. Uh, St. Mary's team that, yeah, I mean, they beat Gonzaga. They played well at home. But, yeah, I like it. I got to tell you, I know this is a getting, betting station. I got the Hoosiers for damn near every dime my own at minus three and a half. It's going to four. It's the lock of the century, which if there's such a thing. And uh, it's already gone to four, so you better get it before it gets to, like, six or seven.
2: So, I will say, uh, I, one of the first bets that I did make was Indiana minus three and a half. And, and I was actually out of the Mountain West Conference tournament all week. Uh, and it's a conference that I helped cover for Visa, and, and uh, Wyoming's a solid team, but all they have are Maldonado and EK just posting up left and right, and that's about it. Uh, Indiana down low should be able to handle a team that posts up their guard or a, or a somewhat unskilled big guy in EK.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, Indiana really, I mean, you know, they nine-point lead, four minutes to go late against Iowa. There's no excuse for losing that, particularly right here in Indianapolis. They really played well. They did, and One of the keys for Indiana is going to be whether this Jordan Geronimo can come back. He's been a really nice player off the bench. But, you know, the truth of the matter is they're guarding. They got a number of guys that can make shots. I think there's a big burden off of them for just making the tournament from where the program's been. Uh, I like it, man. I mean, I I do. I I think that a lot of people are complaining here in the world that, you know, Michigan got an 11 seed. I don't care the seed. I care the matchup, you know. And look, for me personally, Michigan gets to come to Indianapolis, but. You no, know, they got to play a very good Colorado State team. Then they've got to play a Tennessee team who's ridiculous. You know, as a 3C, that should be a 2 or a 1. So, I I like that draw. I like Wisconsin's draw. I think Wisconsin got a great draw. Colgate, I've seen them play. They're just, uh, LSU doesn't even have a damn coach. That crook may be going. I don't know where that <laughs> crook's going. And uh, Iowa State's just not very good. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, I ain't mad at what the Big Ten got around these parts tend
3: to agree with you on that matchup against Wyoming here. I, I think TJD is going to be able to dominate Graham Ike, and, and Maldonado is very good for Wyoming, but I think if you put potentially Ray Thompson on him because of the size, I think it's going to be a real problem for them, and this team can defend beyond the perimeter. If they advance on here, they've got an opportunity in their next matchup. Uh, how far can this Indiana team go? Because down the stretch, and you referenced it, I thought they really squandered that opportunity. On Saturday, uh, I mean, excuse me, on on, on Friday. I thought they should have won that game. Oh, it was Saturday. They should have won uh, that game. Yeah, it
4: was Saturday. Yeah.
3: I, I thought they should. I thought we should have had Purdue and Indiana playing in Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship.
4: Uh, the gods just won't let it happen here in the state. <laughs> uh, they just won't. I mean, it's it's one of those deals where Indiana never plays well in that tournament. Purdue obviously got to the final. Yeah, you know they, they were playing great. The crowd was crazy. Uh, people were for the first time downtown. Indy was back in business, and it was Indiana and Purdue fan. It was great, but they didn't. You know, and now one of the problems is obvious. You know, you play Saturday, uh, and you've got to come out, and you've got to go play on Tuesday, and if you win that, you got to go play Thursday. So. It, you know, and out in Portland, so it's, a, it's daunting, but you know what? You're the last team in the damn tournament. You should be daunting. You know, I mean, if anyone's not going to catch a break, it should be Indiana or Wyoming, whoever comes out of the game. But I do like it. I think Indiana size, you mentioned Race Thompson, boy, I've, I've really liked him, and I've never been a big Tra- uh, Trace Jackson Davis fan until really this year. In fact, the last five games, I think he's been a tough, tough dude defensively, and you know, in the Big Ten, going up against first, it was Zach Eady. He did a great job against that damn big guy for Purdue. He battled him like crazy. Then he had to go up against Hunter Dickinson in the first round, who's another monster. And then, of course, Kofi Coburn, who's as big as there is. And, you know, and then he played, I thought, great against Iowa. So he is playing fantastic. Ray Thompson's playing really well. Um, they need a little more out of their guard position They're shooting the ball, they don't shoot it great. Uh, I don't know how far they can go. You know, I do think they can beat St. Mary's. I think the next matchup, whoever it would be, probably Baylor would be tough. But, uh, hey, man, weird things happen. Just win and see who the hell else loses. And, you know, if Indiana can can get two uh, or get past St. Mary's, get two wins, then some interesting things can happen.
2: Dan Dockett's with us. So, Dan, before we had you on, we were talking about Michigan State in that matchup with Davidson. Davidson's probably going to be a popular uh, selection in terms of uh, upsets from a seeding perspective. Some spots actually had Davidson as the initial favorite, Michigan State now favorite, though. Uh, what do you make of this matchup for Michigan State in just the end of the season? Because we were talking about some of the defensive inefficiencies the Spartans showed down the stretch.
4: Yeah, you know, this isn't this. Uh, I wish I'd have gotten it when Michigan was getting points because I'll take his and points in March in the first round any day of the week. But, no, you're right. This is not a vintage team. There's no pros on this team for Michigan State. He's (laughs) shuffled in the big guys. Uh, Max Christie is going to be a really nice player on the wing, but he's not there yet. Gabe Brown's been very inconsistent. But, yeah, Purdue and Michigan State are interesting. You know, you always think that you're going to get a real level of toughness, particularly on the defensive end with both teams, and they really haven't done that. Purdue's been a bad defensive team, and Michigan State's been a pretty bad defensive team. It's it's not typical. But I will tell you this. They do have guys that can make shots when they get going. Now, look, you, you, again, I'm going back to a kid, Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown, to me, is the key to the whole deal. He's played in big games. I don't know if you guys remember last year, Gabe Brown was a guy that Izzo yelled at, and everybody lost their minds, start crying, Izzo's too mean, blah, 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 blah. Well, Gabe Brown has been in these situations. He's a guy I'm looking at. Davidson, I'll tell you this, if you cannot guard, if you cannot I'm going to use a couple of basketball terms. If you can't fake trap the ball and get back to your man, if you can't recover from inside out and I mean fast and influence a shot, Davison can beat you because Davison moves the ball. They keep great spacing. They got dudes that can shoot it. They got dudes that can shot fake it, get past you, create either a jump shot for themselves or hit the next. It's it's going to be interesting. Izzo and his wings are more athletic. Davison has guys that can shoot it and are really, really clever passers. Yeah, I go back with Davidson. You know, I'll never forget this. Bob Knight, uh, my my old coach, was doing a game with Steph Curry at Davidson. He said, man, he said the best thing about Steph Curry, sure he can shoot it, but man, can he pass? And when I watch his Davidson team, it, it, they can all pass it. And passing is such a great thing. Izzy's going to have his hands full uh, if Brown and maybe Hogarth and certainly Christie can't make some jump shots.
3: I tend to agree with you. And I don't know if there's two better coaches in a single matchup in this tournament better than uh, – Tom Izzo and Bob McKillick, in terms of drawing up plays to guys get, to get guys open looks. The difference is Davidson can knock down those open looks. We'll see if Sparty can do that. Uh, Coach, I want to ask you about Purdue. This is a team that a lot of people like. I ha- I said, look, until Matt Painter shows me something in the tournament, I am never back in Purdue to go far. Our producer is a big Purdue guy. His parents went to school there. I got to talk to you because his name is Elliot Ness. I don't want to get whacked after the show. But I don't believe this team's <laughs> going past the Sweet 16.
4: Well, first of all, uh, anybody went to Purdue, you know, must have not had any other options. We <laughs> understand that. And then the kids that they have are probably in the same elk. Uh, I, look, I, I like this Purdue team. I do. I, I, I do. But I don't like them nearly as much as I should like them. Tell you why. They'll guard. Like, that game today mm-hmm. with Iowa early would have been a damn blowout if Iowa could have made some shots. I mean, they're doing whatever they want, and I got to tell I don't know if you, you guys ever been to a game at Purdue at Mackey?
3: I have not been to a game at Purdue. I went to that horrible yeah. campus, yes.
4: Well, you're right, but uh, it is a horrible campus. There's no place for any self-respecting human being to go. All self-respecting human beings go down to Bloomington, but I digress. Um, Purdue's student body. They value defense. There's a big sign on the wall uh, by the clock, time to play defense. You want it out there. Defense lives here. The student body, charts. No other student body does this. Charges, deflections, tip, I mean, everything defensively, and they just haven't guarded. You know, they just have it. And one of the things I'm, I'm telling you, uh, last year, Matt Painter made a hell of a mistake, and I don't think he'll make it again. Last year, uh, his two shooters, it was Stefanovic, and I can't remember the other guy. They missed uh, defensive assignments on ball screens, right? Okay, great. So he takes them out. He doesn't put them back in. Now they can't make a shot by the end of the game. North Texas beats them. I guarantee you. In fact, today he kept Sasha Stefanovich in forever, even though he couldn't make a thing. Pain is not going to make the same mistake. He's going to leave his shooters out there. This is not about, hey, look, uh, we gotta we got to teach guys. We got to make them learn by sitting on the bench. If they miss a ball screen assignment, screw that. Keep your shooters in. Keep your big guy in. I like them to beat Yale. I think they'll beat Yale bad, but I'm going to tell you something. That damn Virginia Tech team to me is dangerous as hell. That's a bad matchup for anybody. I could see Texas or Virginia Tech beating them in the second round. I don't think they will because I'm a little higher on uh, Purdue than you are, but uh, I ain't that high on it. That second round is going to be a mother.
2: Dan, it's, uh, it's good to talk to you. Thank you very much for the time, sir. Appreciate it
4: Always
2: see it. Dan Dockage, host of the Dan Dockage Show, 1075. The fan. All right, we'll come back. We have the rest of the bracket to get to on the other side. Let's get to the South region, that top half, including an interesting matchup with Seton Hall and TCU. The kid. The kid.